I'm Jen Drummond. Welcome to my podcast, Take a Break. As a mom of seven, a business owner, and an individual trying to be the first female to climb the seven second summits, I often need to remember to take a break. Take a Break is about enhancing and preserving the greatest asset you have, you. Listen in as I share personal stories and interview others to help you get the most out of this one amazing life. So today I have Gabby Reese on the podcast, author, mother, athlete, entrepreneur, all the things, right? We talk about what it's like to connect to our inner wisdom and to navigate life and to say, hey, how far can we take this? Where can it go? Being loose with our concepts in the beginning, and then as we start finding momentum and purpose and passion, honing those in tighter and deeper and harder, which then allow us to pursue and achieve so much more. So listen in on today's podcast as I interview this amazing guest. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today because you are a wealth of knowledge in so many fields that, I mean author, athlete, model, entrepreneur, mother, speaker, author. I mean, everything. Like, is what, What's on the list that you haven't checked yet that you're desiring to do? That's a, that's a great question. I think, you know, I think the verdict's out on some of my, my quests. So I guess part of it would be bringing some of them over the finish line. Some are ongoing forever and ever, but I think with my businesses, it's just, you know, really seeing them for real over the finish line and there's multiple finish lines. And and with my kids, I think like every parent, even though everyone thinks, oh, they're 18 or they're 21, but you know, I have a 27 year old. It's like, there's multiple finish lines, even within parenting. I don't know. I, I guess, and this might sound selfish, but I think now that my kids are getting a little bit older, there's a part of me that sort of go, what's next? It would just be to ramp up and put more energy into the business side of things, the sort of sing, the me side of things, I think you, 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 you sort of defer for a long time and it's natural. You want to, to your partner, to your children, because it is the time to do that. And now I can feel like I'm sort of trying to redirect and sort of, you know, maybe eat up a little more personal real estate, at least professionally, you know, within the family, you're always going to, I always want to serve them, but I think that would be what's next. Oh, I like it. So I was doing the stereotypical stay at home mom thing and I loved it. But then all of a sudden my kids got a little bit older and you're sitting there thinking, okay, well, what do I do from nine to three? And so then you volunteer in the classrooms and the different pieces. And I love the moms that love Pinterest and sweaters that match holidays and all those kind of brownie cookie baking things. That's not me. And I just didn't have a space to be me which was very challenging because I felt guilty. Like, oh, I should want this because that's what everybody seems to want, but it's not relating to me. Got into a horrible car accident. And that gave me permission to say, oh, I'm allowed to do whatever sets my heart on fire. Because if I do that, I'm demonstrating what that looks like to my kids. And we all have this different thing of what that is. And it does evolve at different times in our lives, right? Just on what the kids need, what the businesses need, what your personal needs are. And I think we all need to get better at taking care of our personal needs because it spills into everything else. Well, I think that couldn't be more true. And I think this idea of looking outside, either to control everything or everyone, 
that ends up usually being a reflection of we're not tending to something for ourselves because the more I'm kind of good, the less I am actually running around. And it's not in my nature so much to try to control because I, I, I think I already learned that lesson that that's just a, you know, an illusion that we keep to try to feel safe. So I think the more I'm sort of cool, I allow, I have a greater tolerance for allowance, whether it's with a person that I have a, a casual relationship that we have a big difference of opinion, whether it's a child who does things very differently than I would do them, you know, as the all intelligent parent, you know, I wouldn't do it that way. Or to, to my husband where it's like, yeah, okay. That I wouldn't say that joke or talk that loud, but Hey, rock on, you know? So <laughs> I love you. I love that you bring like talk that loud or say that joke. Right. Cause we're all of those relationships with our spouses. We're like, Oh, you're my spouse and you said that. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and I heard a great thing that if you're in, in a partnership, right, if your partner wants to sing a song and stand on the table, that your job is to get the, you know, the spoons and the knives and, and play the water glasses for them. Oh, I love that. And, and just to keep reminding ourselves like, hey, you know, that's what we love about people or that's how we learn is that we're not the same. Right. Right. How was it? Because I, I look at your career path. How did you transition from athlete to mother? Because you played volleyball pregnant. You were big with Nike at the time. That's a huge transition. I, one thing was fortunate for me is maybe I didn't wrap up my, all of my self-worth and my identity in being an athlete. Okay. I think I learned a lot, maybe because I was late to it. So it wasn't always my thing. Like yeah, I was true. always tall. That, that was unavoidable, but sort of, I don't know. I, I think, and growing up in the Caribbean, I think identity wasn't pushed on us as much. Like you have to be something and do something. And, and so I think that kind of, you're just a human being and I'm exploring this right now and I'm exploring that. I think that was very, very helpful. And that's probably carried into the whole business pursuits too, right? Like, hey, now we're going to get into like the layered coffee creamers and all those fun things. And you guys did that together. And then you have the XPT, which I really want to talk about the XPT because I've been researching that. That's that's your baby with your hit exercises that you've coined as well. And as all of this been, yes. hey, this is exciting to me. I'm going to pursue it. And you don't have, we talk about getting things to the finish line, but it seems like you're very open to the flow of how they're unfolding as well. You know, I think it's, it's a, it's an interesting thing of a, of sort of like a, we, you know, rack focus, right? Like super close, tight focus way back. And I think when you're starting a project, it should be like, oh, this is interesting. And, or this is showing up as a, and the light sort of shines on a path that you're like, you know what, it feels like I should move in, into this. And I authentically like it. I'm interested. I could show up and solve some of those problems. Cause I always, you know, I've been told and I, and I believe it to be true. It's like, when you wake up each day, what problems do you want to be solving? Cause you will be solving something. So why not something that you're into? And I can say that for personal relationships or other, it's like, and so, and then I think as you start to get into it and you get more information and you understand it more, then maybe it becomes about being more strategic and more kind of driving it in a direction. But I don't think to be transactional or to always have a reason why you're doing something in the beginning maybe doesn't allow for the thing to blossom 
to be like, oh, wait, do I even want to do this? And then once you get into it, you go, oh, I'm learning about it. I'm learning about shelf velocity on product. I'm learning about, you know, margins and all these things. Then you start to drive, but not ahead. And, and you know, listen, that's maybe why I'm not as successful um, as maybe certain people like, meaning, meaning like there are people who pursue a business and they come from Wharton and they understand kind of all these things that you have to, buckets you have to tick to make a business successful. So everything is modeled around that. So I, I understand that too. But if you ask me personally, as somebody who is more of an entrepreneur and, uh, and you take your lumps in a really different way for that, because there's a naivety sometimes to things, but that's sort of how it has shown up for me over these years. So the company now, right, the, the coffee creamery and all the different products there, I actually used it this morning. If anybody wants to know, the vanilla creamer is fantastic. <laughs> um, but that, yeah, I mean, it is. It's awesome, right? What When you guys took that public, how was that process? Because that's a whole different monster of, hey, this is something that I need to keep enough energy in my body to do my sport that I love. Now, all of a sudden, I'm selling it. Now, all of a sudden, I'm taking this public. Yeah, it was, you know, that's like the grown up stuff. Yes. You know, you're happy it's through COVID because you're doing a road show, which well, if anyone knows about a road show, it's like you'd have to go to Minneapolis and Boston and New York and sort of talk to the bankers and say, this is what we're doing and have to try to do a hundred of those. And instead we got to do that. I remember one week we did 35 in a week. You know, it was just every... Laird and I were joking that, you know, we had to have three minutes in between calls and it felt like we'd be like, oh, we could go in the kitchen and get something to drink. But, and you know, you have your grown up top, but you're, I was probably in sweatpants most of the time. So, you, so I think what was cool about the roadshow and then going public in September of 20 was we'd never done that before. So you sort of go, hey, in my life, the chances of me ever doing this again are probably very close to zero. And I'm going to take it in as a really unique experience and a learning experience, a hard experience. And then, and then also the, the things that come along with now having a publicly traded company in a market that's not great for, you know, consumable good products, you know, the lessons keep coming, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad because I, that wasn't never the intention. So it's really cool that you get to go through it. But I also understand like, older, wiser business guys that we are friends with, we're like, oh, you're going to go public. <laughs> it's like, cause they know it's expensive to keep a, to the cost of keeping a company public. Now you're reporting how you're making decisions, all these things. It's very interesting. Yeah. And I like the, even the words you're using, interesting and experience. And you're just, you're giving that word gives you space to say, Hey, this is what shows up. And we're going to navigate it and we're only doing this maybe once in our life. So let's make the most out of whatever this circumstance is and keep going forward. So it's fascinating. Well, yeah, I, like you know, I interviewed an athlete named Christian McCaffrey. He's a football player for the San Francisco 49ers. And he, and he was talking about like when it's not going well, let's say, or he's hurt or he doesn't have a good game or he's not on a good team or whatever the million things are. And he said in that moment, it's like you have two choices, like you're going to press forward or you're going to you know, kind of cry about things. And what does the one do for you? It does nothing. And so I think athletics has always taught me, yeah, I'm going to honor how I really feel. I can have a, no problem. I can have a three minute pity party, like nobody's business. And then it's like, cool. Now what's the objective at hand? What's the goal? What are you going to do? Because the one doesn't, it just Solve doesn't anything. do anything. Right. It right. doesn't do anything. And 
And, and, you know, that's, those are, those are hard things. There's people who be like, well, I can't do that. And I'm like, I, I totally understand that. I think from sports, it's like, you know, it's even like standing out on a court and getting completely demolished by another team. You can't leave. You have to just stand there and be, and it's watch and feel it happen and be like, wow, this is getting, you know, this is really humiliating. I'm not doing anything that's making it different. And I think it teaches you about like, you have choices too. Yeah, no, definitely. I played tennis for a while. I did soccer longer, but like the, if you got mad about that shot and you took it into your next shot, you just lost the whole game. Like the get the game was get the anger out, do the next swing, get the anger out, do the next swing. And that repetition physically, I really feel gives you an advantage mentally and emotionally when you come into these other things in life, because you remember, okay, this is how we do it. This is, it doesn't define me unless I keep repeating it. And sometimes it is, a, it's the constant tune up of perspective, 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 perspective. Yeah. 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 So XPT, is that your baby, Laird's baby, your baby together? Like talk to us about that program because that's exciting. I like this. Yeah. XPT, you know, we've, we created that business, I believe in, I don't know, 2015, 2015, it seemed like we were doing a lot of things, but all it was, was I have a very close friend that I've been friends with that also was a professional volleyball player who works with Laird and I since forever. We've been friends for maybe 28 years. And then we played and I was roommates with her prior to knowing Laird and, and, and sort of we've always worked together. And she said to me, you know, you should take what you and Laird do at home and share with your friends and see if you can disseminate it down enough and share with other people. And I was like, nobody wants to do this. And, you know, she's like, well, I'm going to, we're going to do an experience. People are going to come for three days. I go, we have nothing to offer people for three days. Like, two hours, maybe three hours. Cool. And so we put it together and I will say one of the successes of XPT. So XPT is sort of Laird's creativity, then timing, you know, people were reinvigorated by Wim Hof using, you know, heat nice or ice and pool training, which was how do I prolong my training without sort of really hurting my body, which helped me as well. And we developed that curriculum. You know, we were his sort of crash test dummies, if you will which was great. And, uh, and so XPT was born out of that. And now I will say the magic also of XPT is we're not fixed. So we're saying, Hey, listen, this is what we know today. Cause it's very interesting when you get into training modalities and just like training as a person, you have to keep integrating things that make sense that are new and different, not, not be all over the map, but be like, you know what? This keeps showing up that it works. So XPT has some flexibility into it because we're not saying, hey, it's in stone. It has some fundamental, it's breathe, breathe, move, and recover are sort of the pillars. And the other, the other great thing about it is the people we have around us. So I have very, very smart movement specialists. We have a guy named PJ Nestler. He's the head of programming where you go, oh, I have an idea. And he can put pen to paper and actually make it alive so that we can then share it with other people. So the other part of that is any business is having really exceptional people around you. Yes. Yes. The people make all the difference and the journey fun, right? So I'm into mountaineering. I have one more mountain left to get my Guinness world record. So hope holding on to which that. Mount, which um, mountain? It, it's Mount Logan. It's located in North America. So it's the North American peak. I actually went there last year 
and we did not summit. We were two days from the summit. So it's horrible because now I know what I'm walking into, right? Like when you go the first time, you're this innocent bliss yeah. of, hey, whatever it is, I just have to suffer through it and I'm going to be done. And then when the Parks Canada pulled us off the mountain because of weather concerns and things like that, I'm like, oh my goodness, I have to come back. I have to do this again. Are you kidding me? Now I know. Like, this isn't fair. <laughs> so, but yeah, 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 yeah. Is there a time of year that those conditions are more more favorable, maybe? Yeah, so I'm leaving May 16th. So May 16th oh, wow. is like my chance. I have a team. We're going lean and mean. So I have, to, there's three of us total, just less people to get sick, less people to feed, less people to whatever. We're hoping it's going to take us three weeks. And it's exciting. It's nerve wracking. It's, it's all those things where... The, the site at the end of the goal felt so far away a couple of years ago. And now that I'm one mountain away from it being done, like there's awesome to that. There's sadness to that. You know, there's like all the pieces to it because you know, man, this is something I put all my focus on for a couple of years and it's going to be done. I'm willing it to be done. It might not. I mean, mother nature plays a play in it, but I'm, I'm feeling like it's done. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a beautiful thing. When you can when you can set a goal of any kind and accomplish it, and I heard something very wise. There's a woman a woman named Shelby Stanger, and she has several podcasts, and she has she has a book coming out called Will to Wild, and it basically she's like encouraging people to take these adventures. And what she did say is though that kind of when you're finishing one adventure, it wouldn't be the worst idea to maybe ponder another or the yes. next because I think a lot of people have a come down. Or almost, yeah, it's like a letdown of I had this thing that I was doing and it was there for me and now it's over. And I, I think that's a really important point of life. You know, my husband always talks about there was an unnamed either Navy SEAL or military person that said, never let your accomplishments be greater than your dreams. And I think as we get older, that window starts to narrow because we don't allow ourselves to dream or to or to think like we could be at an age where it's like, well, maybe what other ways can I participate in? And not in a pressure way. I, I see a lot of people getting really rigid about like, I'm in pursuit versus the way we kind of fall in and move into it in our twenties or teens where it's like, oh, well, that kind of is exciting or it turns me on or whatever. And, and keep doing that forever. Yeah. No, I have to be very conscientious of allowing myself to have face to play and whatever pursuit I take on because I can turn it into a job. And I'm like, I'm allowed to do life any way I want. Is this really what I want to do with this thing right here? My goal is to have fun. So how do I remember to add fun and space and play to it all? And one of the things I love about your XPT thing is because it's a foundational process that allows flexibility for people to kind of take pieces maybe deeper or less deep, depending on what they need in that moment. And you also build this community of like-minded people that are in pursuit of the lifestyle component. This isn't like, hey, I'm going to be this, this, and this. This is a lifestyle that you're going to adopt and realize that some of these routines, this piece of recovery I love the breath work, but to be honest with you, that just opens up so much of all the other pieces. Yeah. And I think the more I'm in the space of, let's call it health and wellness, and I put that in quotes, 
it's your personal sense of self or somewhat peace. I don't want to say like happiness or whatever, because that's a floating in and out emotion. But if you want to talk about real wellness, the pinnacles are sort of like feeling pretty good yourself. And then, okay, what are the practices that are going to support that? All right, I'm going to eat this. I'm, you know, okay, no processed foods, a certain amount of you know, zone two, everyone's zone two, you know, all these things. But what I think I've learned, especially being around so many high performance people, is that really at the core, core, core of these things is, you know, contribution. What's my purpose? Connection with people, meaningful relationships. Doesn't mean a lot of them. It could mean just a few. And then like, okay, these next layers. All right. What am I eating? When do I go to bed? What thing am I wearing that tells me about my, you know, whatever, my resting heart rate or you know, things like my heart rate variability. So people sometimes put all of that in front of what I'm seeing anyway, things that really, I think are the, we have to almost start there and and they're harder in different ways. They're not as sexy, but I think if we can land on there first and work out from there, it tends to be easier to pursue this lifestyle. And it's, it's hard because the shiny pennies of the stats and the numbers and all that kind of stuff right? I mean, it, it gives you the feedback and that feedback gets addicting. And we have to watch the feedback in all areas of our life because I, you know, I know when I was working, you knew what worked because you got feedback right away. All of a sudden you shift into mom mode and you have no idea what's working. You're like, we're going to maybe never know, but maybe in 20 years from now, some of these pieces are going to start playing out. And I feel having that combo as a female of, okay, I know how the number piece work. I know how it feels to just hold space and allow what unfolds to unfold and then figuring out that balance to carry you forward in all your pursuits is definitely something that I'm always kind of keeping tabs on. Make sure I'm not getting fed into the other thing. It's, it's a very good point and distinction between, you know, immediate measurements like, oh, this is working. And that notion of holding space and allowance and being okay with that. And, you know, that the arc on the story can be so long and, and also simultaneously, it's, it's funny. It's like even marriage, I've been married a pretty long time and is also viewing, like I have friends that were married a very long time and then weren't married. And I'm like, yes, but that was a success. Right. So I think sometimes we think unless the arc finishes where we thought that maybe, oh, well, it's a failure. It's like, well, no, that isn't. Like I always say, if I wasn't married by tomorrow, I've had a very successful marriage. We loved each other. We were nicer to our each other way more than we weren't. We handled some tough times pretty well. And so I think that there's another part of that too, which is like making space, but also recognizing successes, even if they look different than you know what we started. And I could say that with work, with, you know, relationships. I have friendships, even some friendships that maybe we're not really in each other's lives anymore, but for that time, it was a success. Yeah. It's, it's a dance though. And the other thing about fitness that I want to bring up too, is like, sometimes people think it's, you know, when you talk about shiny pennies, not only the metrics, but the appearance, right. You know, it's like, you have to look a certain way and then you're fit. It's like, well, have you ever met a, like a channel swimmer? you know, or like, a, you know, who's, it's like, they're built actually to do that. And if you just saw them, you wouldn't go like, Oh, he or she is like ripped. And usually it's women. But if you and I went into a, you know, 50 degree weather with her, 
water and said, okay, we're going to swim for eight hours, you'd be like, tap out. So I think the other thing is, you know, the, the definition of people, for them to be really careful about what are they measuring oh, so that good. makes them healthy I and fit. I did an interview with Karen Dillon. Karen Dillon worked with Clayton Christensen, who wrote the book, How Will You Measure Your Life? A famous Harvard professor. And just checking, like, I had a birthday a couple of days ago, and just checking in with yourself, like, how am I going to measure this next year? What are my what are my goals? What are my achievements? What's my purpose? Where do I want to be? And knowing that from an internal level allows you to really push back on what the external environment might be trying to force upon you. And I love when we just stop and say, who am I? What am I here to bring or to share or to like broaden in this world? And I love that. Well, no, I mean, it's true. I mean, listen, I'm 6'3", 180 pounds. I will never be a size two. It's the way it is, right? So I think it's really important for all of us. to. It's the notion of in this moment, like even wherever we are, like do you have a newborn child? Did you just get out of a divorce? Are you starting a new job? In this moment, how can I be my best? And for people to be honest with themselves, right? Like I have the dual thing of like grace and you're not going to hack your way there either. Like, let's cut the shit. It's going to take a certain amount of work, period. So I think it's it's kind of sliding in and out of those tones all the time. With the recovery methods of XPT, right? What are your favorite pieces of that? I'm the worst because I'm a, like, I'm a worker and I don't see value in things unless of like, oh, it's hard. It's like, Laird is so good at, he uses the breathing, like nobody's business. He does heat nice constantly. So for me personally, I would say I really think the sauna getting into hot is very good for my recovery. In a perfect world, I would say that breathing is a very powerful tool in the sense that you can do it anywhere. It's free and if and and it's part of the essence of life, right? The breath. And so it, it, I think it's understanding how to use that as a tool, whether it is to recover, to downregulate, to get ready for a stressful situation. So I would say that it's a even though everyone's talking about it all the time and the re there's a reason it's an ancient practice is because it is such a powerful source. So the heat, the heat is the king, what I seem to have the most time for. And then I would say the breath. God, I'm so glad you didn't say ice baths. Okay. So I understand the benefit of ice baths, but I tell you, I prefer the heat all day long than the ice baths for me personally. But the breath piece is you, huge. You think you're the only one? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I'm like, I know, embrace discomfort, embrace discomfort. I'm like, I give myself discomfort a thousand ways a day. I don't know if I need it in the shower, <laughs> but it helps. I was going to say also, I've begun to add this as a caveat. If people lift weights, don't go into an ice tub right after. You don't want to have at least four hours between you and sort of like really difficult training where there's sort of like muscle tearing and inflammation. You want that to occur. Everything else, you know, athletic events, stressful days. I will say the ice for mood regulation and elevation True. can't be beat. I agree. Yeah. Laird and I joke that you're just happy. Your body's like, oh yeah, all my problems. Yeah, no problems. I'm, I'm trying to survive this. But there is data suggesting that for people who have, you know, bout, bouts with anxiety or depression, there's big cold water, like in England, cold water swimming clubs for people who fight, you know, kind of feeling depressed. And it really helps with hormone regulation and mood elevation. So it's a powerful tool in itself, but yeah, it's uncomfortable. Right. And sometimes the one we probably need the most is the one that's the most uncomfortable, right? I mean, that's what I've kind of noticed at some of them. 
like, oh, I'm comfortable doing the health, the other one, probably because it's not that resisting to me as the cold baths, but I climb mountains. Those are cold. I get cold exposure all the time when I have to get out of my tent in the morning. <gasps> but yeah, and the breath thing, I'm telling you, like doing breath work and connecting to it, it was something that I read about, I like did, but then when you live it, and you understand it. And when you're on doing these big feats or have big things coming up, it just gives you so much control. And I am a control freak at some level. And I know that if I can regulate my breath and control my breath, and I'm the person where I start getting anxiety, I'll start humming when I'm climbing. And mm -hmm. I didn't yeah, even know. Yeah. And I didn't even know, like I didn't, that was just something my body naturally did. And we were at this climbing section and this person next to me is like, you're humming. I'm like, yeah, I know I do that to calm down. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, be, be, buzz for the part. And then I came back and someone sent me an article and said, like, actually, this is part of regulating your parasympathetic nervous system. And there you go. Yeah. And it's a, I think vasodilation too occurs with that. And I, I think for climbing, it's interesting the breath because, you know, being in that elevation and needing to actually offload your CO2 is such a powerful tool. So I, I think that's why I say the breath, it's, I yes. mean, it's, it, you know, in Hawaii, they call it ha, you know, ha is the breath. Yeah. It's like, I mean, you know, it's, it's what's happening when they, when you hear your baby cry and breathe for the first time, it's like, you understand, all right, they're good. They're here. They're breath, you know? Yeah. 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 Now, do you design the high intensity workout aspects of all of it? Is that your creative outlet? Yeah. So I have a different, so I, I created a program many years, actually long before XPT called high X. And it came out of like teaching a free community class. I started with like eight of my girlfriends on Kauai, they closed the gym and then I'd be at the market or something. It's a small place. And someone would be like, can I join your thing? You know? And so it didn't feel, it, you know, I'm not going to be a trainer or teach a class. I can't be on the hook for that just because of other things, but I could, do it as a community service. So there's, you know, sometimes 80 to hundred people, I charge everyone a dollar. So they were on my insurance and I used it as a classroom because I used to joke, but not really with them that it was, it was not a democracy. It was in fact a dictatorship. And, and so I really learned a man, I went to school quick because you have 80 to hundred people and you have to organize them all and you have to make it different each time, but sort of doable and modifiable, whatever level you were at. I had 17 year old girls. I had 35 year old, very fit men. I had seven year old women. I had a variety of people. So HiX is really came from this community service. It was not an intention to put something together, but it is something that works very, very well. And listen, if anyone ever says, we always say, Hey, if someone talks about absolutes, like run for the Hills. So it is a thing to do. There is not one thing to do but it is a very good for people who don't have time, they get bored, they need accountability and you sort of get time under tension. So lifting weights, you get cardio, you get some mobility, your proprioception and balance, and you get it done in sort of an hour and under. Yeah, no, I love it. I do it as part of my workout, right? It's not, I have to do endurance so much too, but when you're in the mountains, you'll have those moments where you have to go high, 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 and you need to be able to have your body know that, Oh, I know how to, come down from this and I know how to go back up and I know how to come back down. And so those exercises kind of mimic what can actually happen in the real environment and just lets your body be like, Oh, we've been here before. We don't need to freak out. This is okay. I'm just working on balance. Like you said, and 
And, you know, a lot of times I'll move people from a cardiovascular in the station to the next is working on one leg. So how are you when your heart rate's super high, just trying to stay coordinated and doing something, working on your coordination. So I, I write it like a story for the body to kind of try to push out those, those elements here and there. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a lot of fun for me. Okay. And you're into the podcasting world too, because why not? Because it's so fun to interview and hear what a better way to learn about what's going on in the world and the environment. And yours focuses primarily on mental health and wellness aspect. Yeah. You know, I wasn't, wasn't my intention to be, I don't know how my podcast sort of ended up sort of thriving in that mental health space. What I'm trying to do is take kind of the sharp end of the stick of people in performance, whether they're psychiatrists or, you know, movement people or uh, doctors of psychedelic controlled trauma resistant treatment, whatever it is, and say, okay, these are the best in class, but let's bring it down to a sixth grade level so people can really understand it. Because my thing is people maybe who get to live the way Laird and I get to live, they're taken care of. They have they have the resources, they have the time. How do we take some really cool stuff that's out there that is available for people, but make it achievable? Because people aren't going to have tons of time or money to throw at certain things. But if you go, hey, these three things, if you can do these three things, or here's an interesting book or thought, or here's a new sort of treatment. I just interviewed somebody who does hypothermia cancer treatment in conjunction with either radiation or chemo, and people are having a lot of success with hard tumors. So it's just kind of trying to say to people, hey, this stuff is out here. If any of it turns you on or could help you or serve you, it interests me. And like you said earlier, it's forced learning. So it keeps me also having to stay progressive, not, well, I know something, and then I live and die on the very small amount of information I have, because that's actually dangerous, right? So it's to be continuing to have these conversations and connecting with people. And I, you know, I, since the early nineties, I interviewed athletes a ton for TV and I always loved the learning. And so now I've just branched it out to sort of, you know, even a bigger and really smart group. Yeah. Well, just always remaining a student. And when you have somebody coming on, you have to be ahead of the game so that the interview is good. And I like that. I like that strategy to stay, to stay young, Gabby, that's what you're doing. You're staying young there. It's perfect. Or, yeah, not to get a fixed idea because I could naturally, I think I, I could easily be a person because there is a, a natural rigidity about me that I have to find ways. You know, it's like I tell people, listen, it isn't about wanting to do everything all the time. It's about creating an environment to be successful. And so I just have to also understand or try my best to see all my blind spots and say, okay, where would you set up like concrete? How do you avoid that? And this is certainly one of the ways that can help me from thinking I know anything. <laughs> I like it. That's self-awareness at its finest saying, okay, here's who I am as a default human. Here's how I want to be better. And here's what I need to do to make that happen. Okay. So 10 years from now, we connect again. What's happened that made you feel like, oh, wow, this is a great decade. Laird and I still, you know, like each other. Yeah. That, you know, if we enter the same room that we smile instead of grimace, that feels really important that I feel healthy and, and strong. And, you know, my whole thing is, and I hear a lot of people talk about as they age, they start to feel invisible. And, um, there was a great book called Strength to Strength by Albert C. Brooks. And he talks about, you know, jumping from one sort of strength to the next. So as I get older, 
I think the idea of continuing to learn, but also either to mentor or to help or support other people in the journey, I think feels, and there's a lot of science that shows like people having a sense of purpose or satisfaction in their life is when they have contributed. So having enough still selfishness to be like, I have my work and I have, you know, the things I do, my kids will be long gone by then that that's still occurring, but that also I'm making more time and space maybe to help people that are in an earlier part of the journey, you know, when I can, and and certainly to have XPT continuing to thrive. And, and, you know, my my hope for Laird Superfood is, is that it it becomes more of a, a staple and alternative for things people are already doing. One thing I've learned about wellness and health and all these things is we're just asking people to exchange. We're not asking them to add. Um, one more thing, just to exchange if it suits their lifestyle and they enjoy it. And so to continue to do that and, and quite frankly, to make that thing more beastly, I'm interested, you know, I'm not, it's not all Pollyanna, nice, la, la, la. I like to win. I like to be successful because to me, then that's an indication that we're on the right path. And I feel, I mean, I feel the superfoods and all that is getting a lot of press and it seems to be going more mainstream as time evolves. Here's how I was introduced to it, just to let you know, because it's kind of fun to hear the where it all happens. We, COVID happened, and I live in Park City, Utah. I have seven kids. I kind of got a vibe that it was going to shut down some ski, shut down a ski race. So I called the nanny and I said, hey, listen, I think they're going to cancel school tomorrow. Let's go to Hawaii a little bit early for our spring break. And then let's see what happens. And she's like, sure. So I'm at a gas station looking at my phone. I find a house on the North shore of Oahu that has a pink fence. Like we're going to a house that has a pink fence. Are you kidding me right now? So I booked the place. Ladies, I guess you could come in on Saturday. We send the kids to school on Friday. It's Friday afternoon. We have no sign of school. Like I told the nanny, I'm like, I jumped the gun. I don't, I I thought they would cancel school. They canceled the ski race. Why would they cancel school? Blah, 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 blah. And then two hours later, they canceled school. So we Mm -hmm. took the kids the next day to Hawaii and Hawaii didn't close. You're lucky you got in. I know we got in before, like we did, we got in in March and they didn't close down until April. And so there's this little like surf shop on the North shore that like gives you a little coffee before you go in the water every day. And they have the layered product. They're right. Like you could get oh, yeah. a little coffee with the creamery and all these other MCT oil and all the happy things. And we were addicted to it. And then COVID shut down Hawaii too. And the house that we were renting, they were thrilled that somebody was there. They're like, just stay. So we ended up doing COVID in Hawaii for six months. And my son, this wow. is how I knew we were winning. My son comes to me, who's like eight at the time. What did we do for COVID-18? When COVID-20 comes, do you think we could go to Brazil? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sure, honey. <laughs> That's good instincts by you because, you know, Hawaii shut it hard. And uh, yeah. We did. But we got lucky. We rented one of these little house. You know, not a lot of homes are on the water in Hawaii. But by Turtle Bay, there's this little area called Cabela Bay. And you're actually on the water there. So that was our backyard. So we were allowed to be on the beach. I mean, again, it was one of those things where the heavens above knew I had seven children and could not handle them indoors at a house in COVID. So it all worked out. Yeah. We call that clean living, clean living. (laughs) Yes. It was perfect. It was perfect. So people can join experiences. They can be a part of XPT from their home. 
they can listen to your podcast, direct everybody to your website. Is that the best thing? Because then it branches everybody everywhere else. Yeah, GabbyReese.com. It's XPTLife.com. It's LairdSuperfood.com. I mean, we are in many grocery stores, but actually getting the product online because we have all uh, some SKUs, some, you know, it's expensive to do what we do at Laird Superfood because of our ingredients. And so there's the reality of margins. So there's certain products that we actually only offer online because we we're trying my marketing guys. Like, I appreciate you're trying to democratize good health, but you know, (laughs) and then it's the Gabby Reese show. So if anybody, if there's a guest that maybe can enhance someone's life in some way, they can join us. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time today, Gabby. Thank you for the conversation.